Well, the last two Sundays we've had a series called Thirsty and uh, been raising money for, to put wells in Uganda. And we've asked you to buy 700 bottles of water. Last Sunday we told you we were close to meeting our goal. And uh, so today it's my privilege to, to announce to you what we've raised. Would you like to know how much we've raised? All right, here's what you've done. In the last two Sundays, selling those bottles of water, here's what you have given. $16,933.02. That's just amazing. Now, one of the things that thrills me about this, you know we're trying to raise $10,000. We said anything beyond that would go towards the Lawsons for their housing that would be coming up in July. Uh, we finally inquired this week, what is your housing expense? This is how God works. I said, well, the best we can figure is probably going to be about $7,200. <laughs> so some other money has trickled in this today. Uh, I just I believe that we're going to have that exactly exactly what we need, and maybe a little change left over. So praise the Lord to God be the glory. Great things He has done. Amen. <laughs> if you're visiting with us today, you picked a great Sunday to come check us out because today is my annual State of the Church address and. This is a time where we pause as a church family and we reflect upon God's faithfulness this past year. And then we look forward to some of the key things that God's going to be asking us to do in 2014 as a church family. And today as you're leaving, there is made available to all of you uh, our annual church report. We started this last year. We thought we'd do it again this year. This is an annual report of our finances, our membership, our missions, and what we're doing and uh, so you can take that home and read that, pick that up as you're leaving. One thing I want to highlight that's in the report, I just want to thank you and, and praise the Lord for you. Uh, this past year, through our cooperative program giving, through our giving to the Annie Armstrong offering and the Lighty Moon offering and our missions partnerships giving and all the things that you've given to help us do mission work, this past year, I think we have set a new record in our missions investment. This past year, we've been able to invest in Great Commission work $370,332. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. So thank you for helping us be an Acts 1-8 church. We, we believe we shouldn't just keep all the money that God gives us, but we ought to try to invest as much as we can in Great Commission Kingdom work, and thank you for helping us do that. Now, the truth of the matter is, as we talk about the state of the church, though God has blessed us this past year, we still have much room for improvement. Lots of things that we need to improve. And, and it reminds me of something that my wife has said time and time again. A couple of years ago, we were remodeling our home. And I don't know if you've ever started that process, but let me give you a word of warning. When you start that process, one thing leads to another thing that leads to another thing that leads to another thing that leads to another thing. To another thing. And so we started and we built this little entryway and, and we some other things and and then Lisa said well you know we ought to paint so and so and and I said yeah but you know what we've already done and she would say well you know what Lowe says never stop improving <laughs> and so we did that and then then she said well, well you know we need new windows you know because we now we got this new entryway and this new paint we need new windows I said, but look at what we've already how much we've already spent well you know what Lowe says never stop improving and I heard that over and over and over and over again. Never stop improving. And it, I heard it so much, I one day realized, that's a great 
motto for a church too. So a couple of years ago on, on our staff advance, I said to the staff, all right, here's our theme for our church staff, and here it is. You like that, don't you? It looks good, doesn't it? Never stop improving, and we decided to keep it this year as well as a church staff because it's a good reminder to us that we don't want to stay where we are. We don't want to be stagnant and satisfied and status quo. We should never stop improving. In fact, I want to give you five reasons real quickly. Just, I'm just going to list them for you. Five reasons why we should never stop improving. Now, here's the first one. We have a high calling. We are to pursue the glory of God and the mission of God. And you shouldn't do that half-heartedly. That's one of the reasons you should never stop improving. Because we as a church have a very high calling. The mission of God and the glory of God. Here's the second reason. Things that don't improve don't stay the same. They eventually get worse. That's true in business. That's true in your marriage. That's true in our church. Things don't stay the same. They eventually, if they don't improve, they eventually get worse. And it's kind of like this. There's the trajectory of it's getting better, it's getting better, it's getting better. We're growing, we're growing, we're growing. We're doing good, we're doing good. And then there's that plateau. And there's always that plateau. It never always goes up. There's always that plateau. But if you don't continue trying to improve, then it goes, it's getting better, it's getting better, plateau, plateau, and then decline, decline, decline. And that's true in your business. That's true in your marriage. That's true in our church. One of the reasons we should never stop improving is because things don't stay the same. Eventually, they get worse. Here's the third reason. We become blind to what needs to change. When we're not trying to improve, we become blind to what needs to change. We get used to seeing that old couch in the corner. We get used to seeing the empty chairs in our classroom. We get used to seeing things that, that ought not be that way, things that we ought to be working to get better, but we get used to seeing it. The way it is. And again, that's true in your marriage. That's true in your family. It's true in your church. We get used to the status quo if we're not trying to improve. We become blind to what needs to change in our lives, what needs to change in our church. Another reason that we should never stop improving, because I love this, this is one of my favorites. Every innovation has an expiration date. Andy Stanley puts it this way. He said, at some point, new isn't new anymore. Everything that was new, every innovation, has a point where it no longer is new anymore. I, when I read that, I thought immediately about our, our church van. Do you know how we've referred to our church van for years? Our new church van. That thing is 12 to 15 years old, but we still call it the new church van. Let me clue you in. New is not new anymore when it comes to the church van. And that's also true in our lives and in our church. Every innovation has an expiration date. Another reason to never stop improving, and this is the fifth one. Because if you're not trying to improve, you stop being dependent on God. Ministry ought to stretch you. Ministry sometimes ought to scare you. Ministry sometimes ought to cause you to really have to take a leap of faith, a step of faith. But if you're not trying to improve, guess what? Ministry is stagnant. Ministry sometimes is just the same old, same old. And you're no longer dependent on God because you got this. You've been maintaining this. Rick Warren once asked a pastor, he said, what's the mission of your church? And the pastor had an interesting answer. He said, only God. 
Then he went on to explain it this way. He said, we take risk that only God could make happen, and that when successful, only God gets the glory. Only God. That might be a good phrase for us in 2014. Only God. Sounds a lot like what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3. Would you take God's Word and join me in Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look, if you're taking notes, verse 20 through chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, when this was originally written in the original Greek language, there were no chapters, there were no verses like this. So they were added later for our benefit. So when Paul said, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen, then he continued his line of thought with these words. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now there's three truths in this text I want to summarize for you very quickly. I'm not going to say a lot about them, but I'm going to use this as a foundation for everything I want to share with you today. The first truth I want you to know is this. No matter how big the vision, God is able to accomplish it. Here's what he says in verse 20. Now to him who is what? Able. Able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. With one word stacked on another, the Apostle Paul paints a picture of the incredible power of God. He began with a simple assertion. God is able. Whatever you need, God's able to provide it. Whatever He calls you to do, He's able to help you accomplish it. Whatever the task is, He can empower you to do it. Whatever the problem, God has the answer that you need. He can solve it. And that by itself should give us security. That by itself should build our faith. But the Bible says but it, God's able to go beyond that. He describes it this way, that God is beyond everything we could ask for. He goes beyond everything we could think of. That, that God's power is beyond our imagination. Here's how he says it in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, not just more, but immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. God's power is beyond our imagination. His resources are beyond our ability to even comprehend. If there's one thing that God has taught us in the 17 years I've been your pastor, it's this. When we have stepped out in faith and followed God's leading, God-sized dreams suddenly became doable. When we followed His leading, God-sized dreams became doable. You see, no matter how big the vision, God is able to accomplish it. And somebody please say amen. Here's number two. No matter how much is accomplished, God gets the glory. In verse 21, he puts it this way. To Him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The ultimate goal that we have as a church family is to glorify God. It, he is to get the glory in the church. And the way that's accomplished is allowing Him to do His work in us and then do a work through us. You see, there's two moments I want you to have in church. 
I want you to have this first, and I want this for everybody. I want everybody to have two moments in church. The first moment I want you to have is where you come to Mount Airy, you come to this church, and, and you say, you have this moment where you say, this is for me. You hear the gospel. You understand salvation. You, and all of a sudden you say, this is for me. God is speaking to me. This is for me. And God does something in you that day. That's the first moment I want you to have. But I want everybody else also to have a second moment. And the second moment is where you say, this is not just for me. And you hear God speak in a way that says, He's done something in you, but He also wants to do something through you. That the gospel is not just for me. Yes, it's for me, but it's not just for me. He's got something He wants to do through me to reach others. I want everybody to have those two moments. You know what I found? I found lots of people have had the first moment, but not quite as many as had the second moment. But that's what we want to focus on. That's our goal. That's our desire. As we go through 2014, let's remember that the ultimate goal of our existence as a church is to bring glory to God. In fact, I've got a prayer I want to ask you to pray this year. I'm going to put it on the screen. You can write it down real quickly. And here's the prayer. Lord, let me do more for You. Expand my opportunities and my impact in such a way that I touch more lives for Your glory. Lord, let me do more for You. Never stop improving. Lord, let me do more for You. Expand my opportunities and my impact in such a way that I touch more lives for Your glory. I'm going to let them keep that on the screen for a moment. You can hopefully write that down. See, our life becomes the adventure God wants it to be when we decide to live for His glory. No matter how much is accomplished, God gets the glory. Here's number three. No matter who we are, God deserves your best. Paul says, as a prisoner then for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have you have received. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, we've got to remember two things. Our God-given mandate, first of all, is to connect people to Jesus. And the second thing we need to remember is what we do or fail to do will have an impact on where people spend eternity. That's why we need to give our very best. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. God deserves your best. Now, with that in mind, I want to look ahead at some of the things that God has in store for us in 2014. Here are some of the places where God is giving us an opportunity to join Him in what He's doing. Here's some places where He wants to do a work in us and through us. Here's some places where you can give God your best this year. First of all, there, is a, there are some possible new mission partnerships we want you to know about. The South Carolina Baptist Convention has invited us to consider working with some church planters in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland is one of the send cities in the United States. That is, there's 32 different cities in North America targeted by the North American Mission Board. Cleveland is one of those cities. And we've been invited uh, through the South Carolina Baptist Convention to partner with NAM and with some church planters in that area. And so, in the next little bit in... in uh, March, I believe it is, Chris and Ron and myself are going to join pastors from across the state and go to Cleveland. We're going to get on a bus in Columbia and go to Cleveland 
and see if God wants us to partner with a church planter in that area to help reach that city for Christ. Forbes magazine calls Cleveland one of the ten most miserable cities in America. How would you like to live there? Others have called it the mistake by the lake. I've never been to Cleveland, but I know this. Jesus wants us to reach people there. There's people there who need the Lord. And so we're, we're going to see if that's what, what God wants us to do as a church family. We've also been invited by the South Carolina Baptist Convention to explore a partnership in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island. In Nova Scotia, the surrounding areas you'll find there, there's a postmodern culture that has little to do with the church. It sees little relevance in the church there. And the Canadian convention there, as well as the International Mission Board, are partnering together to plant 50 healthy, growing churches by the year 2020. We've been invited through the South Carolina Baptist Convention to consider working in that area as well. So please pray that we'll have discernment as Ron and I take a vision trip in the next couple of months, exploring if God wants us to do a work in Nova Scotia. We'll also have a mission trip this year going to Richfield, Utah. In July, we'll be going there. Some missionaries out of our church, Bobby and Robin Gore, planted their life and their family there, working to reach the Mormons in that area. We went there last year. We'll return this year to help them in their mission work. That'll be in July. And then, Lord willing, in September, we'll be going to Uganda to minister to the Lawsons and minister with them. And we'll have the privilege of walking into those two villages where we have put a well in their village. And we're going to walk into those two villages and we're going to tell them about the living water that will quench the thirst of their soul. And so that, Lord willing, will be coming up in September. And all of that, there's some information about that in your bulletin about both of those trips. Our youth are going to be going to a new area this summer as well. They're going to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta is another one of the strategic cities targeted by the North American Mission Board. We're trying to be very strategic in our work this year. And Atlanta is one of those strategic send cities. Chris has already been to Atlanta to explore that possibility. And he met with Pastor Troy Bush, who is the pastor of Rehoboth Baptist Church. That name might sound familiar to you, Rehoboth Baptist Church. It used to be one of the flagship churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. It used to be one of the big, dynamic, growing churches known throughout the Southern Baptist Convention. But the community changed. And the church began to decline. And it almost got to the point where it had to close its doors. Troy Bush came on as pastor and is relaunching the church. An international community now lives around the church. And we're going to go to Atlanta this summer and help them reach that community for Christ. Our youth will be going on that trip to Atlanta. Our work in Costa Rica will continue for now as well. Uh, it likely is drawing to a close in the next one or two years, uh, but we're working with the folks right now, our missionaries in Costa Rica, and we're going to work with them. We're not sure exactly what the future looks like for them or for us, but we're working together, praying together about what that looks like in the next coming year or two in Costa Rica. But still work to be done on the volcano of Irazu, telling the Ticos who live there about Christ. And then something that's coming up in April that I'm excited about is called I Love My Church. In April, we're going to have a church-wide emphasis that will celebrate the changed lives at Mount Airy as well as what we love about being part of the Mount Airy family. We're going to talk about what it means to be a member of Mount Airy and, and that church is more than an hour or it's more than a building. It's the heart of our church is the people who gather here to follow Christ together. And we'll be talking about what it means to be churched and go to church and be a part of a church. And that'll be coming up in April. 
And then in May, we're going to have something called Love Loud, May 17th. Would you put that date on your calendars? May 17th. This is what was previously known as Beyond the Walls. Uh, we've changed the name to Love Loud, and we're going to change a little bit of, of what we're doing, but not much. It'll, it's, it'll still look a lot like Beyond the Walls and feel a lot like Beyond the Walls. Uh, but we are rebranding it and trying to do a couple of little different things as far as the emphasis. Uh, and we'll tell you more about that. But I want you to know that this is a community day. It's a day where we focus on our community. It's, a, it's literally a mission trip to our community to demonstrate the love and compassion of Christ loudly and clearly. And we're going to be going out to minister to the needs of our neighborhoods. And, and uh, the good thing about this day, listen to this, listen. You don't need a passport to go on this mission trip. You don't need a plane ticket to go on this mission trip. You don't need a lot of money to go on this mission trip. All you need is a willingness to love your neighbor and minister to them. And you know what it says on the bottom? Actions speak louder than words. And so we're going to love loud on May 17th. Be sure you've got that down. And then Upstate 1-8 is the next thing that I want you to know about. Uh, we want to be an Acts 1-8 church that not only is ministering to the ends of the world, but we also want to minister in our Jerusalem too. He said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so, locally, here's what we're going to be doing. Rather than trying to reinvent the wheel and create new ministries locally, we thought it would be wise to partner with ministries that are already occurring, people who are already doing a good job and who could just use our support. And so we're going to partner with two different ministries in the local area. One is United Christian Ministries. The other is the Dream Center in Easley. Both of those ministries are doing a great job of ministering to the hurting and the underprivileged and the poor and so we're going to partner with them in different ways this year. And we call that Upstate 1-8. And then as far as missions, if I could switch gears a little bit and let you know about our search for a minister of missions and discipleship. Uh, you know that we've been looking for that, for that person now for a while and I want to give you an update on where we are in that process. Uh, we have received approximately 175 resumes that we have reviewed. 175 resumes literally from around the world. It's been amazing how many we've gotten from other countries. And all across the United States, 175 roughly resumes. We have narrowed that 175 down to three. And what we'd like to ask you to do is over the next couple of weeks is we have meetings with these individuals. Well, we would like for you to pray with us. Join us in prayer that God would give us wisdom and God would give us discernment as we hopefully can make a decision in the next uh, short term. Now, as you leave today, we're going to give you something for coming. And it's called an impact card. I told you about this impact card back in, uh, in the fall. I preached this series called RE, or Relational Evangelism. And we said that the way that we do uh, evangelism now is going to be through a re relational evangelism. That is, you speaking to the people you already know rather than going out to visit strangers you've never met. It just seems to be a good idea for you to reach out to the people who, know, who don't know the Lord, but they do know you. And so what we're going to do is give you this impact card as you're leaving, and on the back of the card, we're going to ask you to write down the names of one, two, or three people who don't know the Lord. People that you know. People that you work with. People in your neighborhood. And then we're going to ask you to do three things. First, pray for them daily. So you need to put this card where you're going to see it every day. Put it in your bathroom. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your car, someplace. You're going to see it every day. And let that be a reminder every day that you're praying for the salvation of those individuals. Then, 
as you're praying for them every day, you're going to be kind of a, have a, a heightened sense of awareness that, hey, this is somebody that I need to reach out to. And so share with them as the Lord gives you an opportunity. And think in terms of sentences, not necessarily in terms of paragraphs. Think in terms of just sharing a word from the Lord rather than i got to close the deal. Think in terms of being a witness to them about Jesus and the difference He's made in your life rather than trying to win them to something. So you just share with them as the Lord gives you opportunity and, and it might just be just sentences, but you share with them as you can. Then as you're praying for them and as you're sharing with them, then we're going to ask you simply to invite them to Mount Airy. Let us partner with you. We believe evangelism is a team sport. One planted, another water, but God gave the increase. And so let us partner with you. Uh, you share with them, but also you invite them, especially on big days like Easter and different things like that. And we're going to present the gospel and let us partner with you in that effort. And so everybody, as you leave today, you're going to get an impact card. Whether you're a member or not, doesn't matter. Take it with you and use it to help us reach out to our community. We also have a Hispanic Bible study class that we want, to know, want you to know about. We started that this past year, and we hope to grow that Hispanic ministry. And in the coming days, there's going to be uh, little cards, invite cards out there that will be in Spanish. You might go by and say, what, what is that? I can't even read that. Well, that's because it's in Spanish, and we want you to take it to people who are speaking Spanish and in, invite them to come. They'll be able to read it and invite them to come be part of our uh, Bible study class. Now, a couple more things that we're going to be done. One is, look at this next picture. In 2015, uh, Lord willing, I'm going to be leading another tour to Israel. And I'd like to invite you to go with me. So, well, that's 2015, it's not 2014, why are you talking about it? Because you need to start saving for it this year. Alright, start saving for it, start planning for it. And we don't have the exact dates yet, but when we do, I will announce that. But I would love to take you... Listen, I see this as a part of my ministry because when, 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 you, when you get to walk where Jesus walked, and when you get to read, open your Bible and read something and look at it at the same time, it is life-changing. I can stand here and teach and teach and teach, but when you're there and I get the chance to teach, it's a huge difference. It's a game-changer for lots of people. You'll never read your Bible the same once you go to Israel. And so, Lord willing, 2015, I plan to lead that trip and would love for you to go with me. Now, this next one. Turn to your neighbor and say, okay, this is the one you need to listen to. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. All right. I'm glad you woke your neighbor up. Appreciate you doing that for me. On Easter Sunday, anybody know when Easter is this year? April the 20th, I believe. On Easter Sunday, April the 20th, we're exploring the possibility, possibility of having an off-campus worship service. Now, the reason I need you to listen is this. That does not mean we're not going to meet here. We are going to meet here. We will have our regular Easter worship service here on Sunday morning. But we're looking at the possibility then that afternoon or that evening going off-site to a neighborhood and having a worship service there. Maybe like at the Dream Center in Easley, for example. They've already got a, an auditorium. They've got a, 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 a whole crowd of people that they're ministering to. Some of them homeless, many of them needy. What if, what if on Easter Sunday we gather here to celebrate the resurrection and then we took that good news to a needy neighborhood that afternoon or that evening? 
and maybe feed them dinner after we have a worship service? What if we took a band over there or a singing group over there and I go over there and I preach and you go over there and, and, you're, and you're helping us greet people and welcome people and you're serving? That's something we're exploring right now. But the only way this is going to happen is if we put together a team of people that can help us brainstorm and get everything in place and, and work it that day. So, if you're interested in doing that, you need to contact Ron Taffer. You can call him or email him, rtaffer at mountaireabaptist.com. Contact Ron Taffer. Tell him you'd like to be part of that team on Easter Sunday, that off-site worship team, or, or planning for, for that, okay? So if we get enough interest, we'll do this, and I hope that we do. Finally, I'm going to invite many, uh, some of you to be part of what I'm calling the 40-40 prayer team. The 40-40 prayer team is I'm asking for 40 people to pray with me for 40 days uh, about some very specific things. If you'd like to be part of that prayer team, I'm just going to ask you to, to email me, keithshorter at mountaireabaptist.com. And I'm not interested in people who are just going to put their name on the list, but they're not going to pray. I need 40 prayer warriors to join me praying for 40 days for our church. Praying for 40 days for the, some of the things that we've got planned. Praying for 40 days for God to revive our church. Praying for 40 days for God to give us a bigger vision than what we've got right now. Praying for 40 days that we'll, we'll do more for the kingdom than we've ever done. And I've got one dream that I've been dreaming for two years. Well, longer than two years, but I've been talking to the staff about it for two years. And I'm going to tell, if you're one of my 40 prayer partners, I'm going to tell you about that dream and ask you to pray about that dream as well. And that if, if it's of the Lord, He'll open the door. So I need 40 people to pray with me for 40 days. Okay? So if you'd like to be part of that prayer team, just Keith Shorter, MountAreaBaptist.com. Send me an email, say, put me on the prayer team. We're going to start that on March the 1st. March the 1st, we'll begin praying for 40 days and praying for our church. And every four days, I'm going to send you something different to pray about. That's why I need your email address. So let's remember three things this year. God is able. God gets the glory. God deserves our best. Let's read that together. Here, here's what I want you to strive for. Here's what I want you to remember. Here's what I want you to help us do. Here, here it is. Let's say it together. God is able. God gets the glory. God deserves our best. Let's pray together. Individually and corporately, with every head bowed, every eye closed, individually and corporately, we need to be seeking to have a greater impact for Jesus. God's able. We need to be the ones who say, Lord, do something in me so you can do something through me. Maybe at this time of invitation, you'd come and pray for our church and ask God to renew your passion for what He wants to do in your life and through your life. Or maybe this invitation, you come and pray for those individuals that you're going to write on that impact card. Just start praying for them right now. They don't know the Lord, but they do know you. You are their link to Jesus. And would you perhaps just begin praying for it? Father, I want to thank you for this church family. I thank you so much for what you have done. But we look at it with anticipation of what you want to do. And God, we know that we've got to be in praying church. We've got to be a church 
that is on our face before you, seeking to hear your voice. And so, Lord, would you work in us, work in our lives, and may we bring honor and may we bring glory to you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.